We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is brought to you by Aspers Casino Newcastle, home of the £4 pint on match day. That's all Newcastle home games and any televised Newcastle fixture. The offer applies from midday until midnight on all draft beers. Be gamble aware, over 18s only. Visit begambleaware.org. Uh, be drink aware and for details and T's and C's, visit aspersnewcastle.co.uk. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle have gone to the city ground and beaten Nottingham Forest by three goals to two to make it four away wins in a row in 2024 and continue Newcastle United's decent form this calendar year. I'm Alex, I have Sai, Charlotte and John Lane to talk to you about what happened and why in this one. Sai, I'm going to start with you, mate. How good was that feeling to go away from home once again in the Premier League and pick up all three points? I'm glad you said how good was that feeling and not just how good was that game because the game itself was um, interesting. But winning another away <laughs> game is uh, is class. It's 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 a good feeling. It's a uh, it's massive for, for where we are and where we're going to try and get to this season. Back in seventh, still in the FA Cup. We've just won three. No, four, well, you, you said it's four away games. Two yeah. of two of them are cup, but you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's all, all it's all it's all stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all steps in the right direction. You know, the, the stuff to get into about the performance and about the way we got to that victory, but we all. We are learning to win games again, and that's really, really good. And I'm getting more and more confident each week, as clearly some of the players are, that we'll continue this form. And, you know, Bournemouth next week looks like a really easy win, as far as I'm concerned, based on the fact that we're scoring goals for fun. Yes, we're conceding a bit, but honestly, yeah, I I was really pleased. And um, I suppose in terms of learning week on week, we conceded the lead twice against Luton and then failed to win the game. We didn't do that here. We conceded the lead twice, but had the character and the conviction to go away and get a third and, and win the game. And yes, it took some brilliance from Bruno Gomez. In fact, all three of our goals are unreal. But Bruno, sometimes you just need your world-class players to come and, and grab the game by the scruff of the neck. He's done that. We've won the game. We move on. Class. That's it, isn't it? It's, it, it you know, it was just it's just so encouraging to me to have have picked up three points away from home when all of the conversation for the first half of the season was what the hell has happened to our away form what on earth is going on um to, to 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 even just build on the performance from last week obviously that was a home game against Luton and there was a lot to say about that and that was a it was a difficult game and and we went we took the lead and then we lost the lead and we ended up with a point well same thing happened here we took the lead twice in this game and lost it twice and then still managed it these are incremental sort of improvements that you know we're going to keep making uh, week on week you'd hope I, I see no reason why not 
and players are going to come back. We are back in training. We are back to once a game, a game once a week. Um, and so I'm just, I'm so encouraged by it. I'm so buzzing that we've got the three points. We're a real sort of momentum team and coming out of, you know, half past seven last night, I was just like, thank fuck for that. Yeah, I mean, the result's the most important thing, isn't it, here? Um, but I think for the first 10 minutes, we really tried to play um, and we, we looked in control. Um, now, funnily enough, if you watch um, some highlight packages that are going around, the first chance you see is, Forest chance on the break um, after we've had 83% possession or something ridiculous in that first 10 minutes. Um, so I think we tried to approach the game the right way um, for me, um, but the result's huge. Um, I can't remember the last time we won four games in a row. And it was a very un-Eddie Howe Newcastle win, I think, in the fact that um, normally when we win, um, you know, we're a few goals ahead, we manage the game that way. Um, this is the first time this season I can recall anyway where we've had to manage that game like one goal up and we've managed to actually get to 90 minutes and, and do it so that for me I think the squad probably needed that to show that they could do that and have that character of even when things aren't perfect that they're going to get that result and look we've said it before good teams win badly um, and, and maybe we did a little bit of that yesterday yeah I think the talking about the end of the game is is relevant because I was actually most impressed by Newcastle at nil nil and at 3-2 up because at nil-nil, uh, Howe tries out this new formation in possession, um, which we'll come on to a little bit later in the show. And Newcastle, like you say, dominate a game away from home that we haven't really seen them do in terms of uh, volume of possession. And they really asked a lot of questions of Forrest before before getting the first goal. What happens between 1-0 and 3-2 up? Is, is probably <laughs> worth debating. I think we will talk about it because it wasn't straightforward. But managing the game like they did at 3-2 up, Dubravka's not had to make a save. There's no close calls. It feels like in previous situations where we've been trying to cling on, there's been kind of some mitigation that Howe has been able, unable to make subs where he could yesterday. But even though we conceded last minute against PSG and last minute against Chelsea, neither of those sides... Um, I think it, it could be argued didn't deserve the equaliser. Forrest didn't mm. deserve anything at three mm. two yesterday. That was probably their worst period of the game. You know, Newcastle's best periods obviously were Forrest's worst periods, but just so impressed with Howe's tactics, the defensive substitutions, these are all things some fans have questioned recently. Can he do this? Can he manage these games? And I think that Newcastle at three two yesterday were just in control of that game. There was no last ditch stuff, there was no panic, there was no reliance on the opposition failure. Um uh, you know, just just generally impressed by their ability to win a game, and, and this is the key thing that I took away from this yesterday. And I suppose from this little run we've been on, yes, yeah, Sunderland are a lower league side, so they don't count as as much into in this conversation. Training. But if you keep yourself in games in the Premier League, away from home in particular, you will pick up wins and points because a lot of these teams are bad. A lot of these teams are just bad, and Forest in sixteenth place are, by the league standards, not a good side. Mm. Um, there have been too many away games this season where the game's been gone on 80 minutes or the game's been gone on 85. If you can keep yourself in that position in these games against these sides, you will you will have a lot of joy. And I just felt that performance at 3-2 yesterday was so mature and so much better. Yes, there are still glaring deficiencies to Newcastle's play or defensive structure or midfield structure, but, and we'll talk about those, but I just think when you when you're away games in the Premier League and you're going to be all right and we did that yesterday I think Forrest kind of fell apart in that last 15 as well including injury time 
but that like they just they just weren't creating anything they couldn't keep a hold of the ball and it, it, they just didn't look like any kind of threat but i also think that speaks to us and and the control we were we were exerting over the game and the 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 comfort like we've seen this team kind of panic a little bit towards the end of games get tired more tired obviously fixture you know congestion has has led to that but we even against Luton, they had a they had a chance at ninety seven minutes, and you're sort of sitting on the edge of your seat, thinking, "Please God, like let just get us for this point." Didn't feel like that yesterday, and that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about these incremental improvements. These will sort of snowball into hopefully a really great run of form because they're all the little improvements that we need to be seeing: the the, the calmness, the maturity, the control of the game, right through to the end. We looked confident, didn't we? Like at three, three, two up. We when we had the ball, we just looked more confident, and it's almost. I think that's probably. I know this is the positive part, so I'm going to try and stay positive. But I suppose my question is: is we need to look like that more when we're we're behind or when we're trying to chase the game? Just look more confident and assured in what we're doing. Um, it's almost like we got the lead, and we're like, oh yeah, we know what we're doing, and we can we can play it around, and we can manage the game from here. So. Um, I hope that, that can, they can kind of learn from that and almost say, actually, this is a way that we can play when things aren't going great as well. I, I don't feel like I saw the second half the same way. I thought we were pretty poor until, I suppose, I, I, to make this positive, it was until <laughs> we made the subs because I thought before the 80th minute when Livermento came on and Kraft came on around the same time or maybe a little bit later, um, I thought they looked like scoring every time they came forward. Forest were quite explosive and they just had us done for pace and in those channels and uh, they, were, they were causing problems every time they had the ball. Now, we had a lot of the ball and we were quite dominant overall, but I thought we looked shaky and, and vulnerable at the back every time they got the ball until about the 80th minute and maybe they'd overexert themselves. You know, they, they play quite explosive football. Um, they've got some quick players who just run out of steam, I guess. But we did manage the game better towards the end of it. Like you say, we got 3-2 up and, and by the 80th minute, we were like, right, there's only, te- well, should have been 50 minutes ago. They got an extra two bonus minutes from uh, from Taylor, didn't they, at the end, inexplicably. But yeah, I thought... The, the changes to, to end the game with three right backs and three centre halves on the pitch was it was a needs must situation. It's like right, just get the lads on, just see the game out. Let's not take any more risks. Let's not just leave the lads at the back and let the same thing happen again. So addressing it and doing something about it is probably the biggest positive. Because I thought second half, the first twenty minutes we were awful. Uh, we, we offered nothing. Then then a moment of Bruno brilliance got us back in the lead, and then we dealt with that situation. So I think learning as we go, like I say, shall incrementally, there are improvements, but. I, I thought the second half was probably worse than the first half. <laughs> and definitely talking about that last like 15, yeah. 20 yeah, minutes, yeah. like, and, and just the kind of settling into it. That, that, yeah. Forest are a game or a, or a team that, that look for the break and then just run. But I, we, we, we did deal with it. Like they were shaky moments, but we dealt with it. And then we just were like, actually, this is fine. And mm. then they started to fall apart a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about the, the the middle bit of the game then, because the, there is definitely a feeling out there that you know all is not well, all is not fixed, and the you know let's talk about some of the things that went wrong. Uh, I mean, I've got by the way in my notes for this game, just Marcel's just that's all it says. <laughs> what the fuck is he there doing? a big question T- mark? Turning, turning up in a game against Newcastle United eight years after we signed him, and then <laughs> realised he couldn't make any saves. Um, I don't think he makes he makes one save. Does he actually have hands in his gloves? <laughs> he, makes, like, he, make, he makes a save against Sean Longstaff yesterday, which is a decent save. But he should probably save Bruno's winner yeah. as good a as good a shot as it was. But you know we're, we're still very vulnerable in behind Forest on another day. I, I don't want to say probably should have a pen, but if the referee gives that penalty, 
um, at 2-2. Then they go 3-2 up in the game, most likely. Um, you know, so it was a game of fine margins up until kind of that last 20 minutes when Newcastle managed it well. Newcastle once again take the lead twice against a poor side and then relatively quickly let the, the opposition back into the game. I mean, the, the big thing that I kind of noticed watching the game in, in Aspers last night um, was that people watching the game are very quick to get angry about Dan Byrne. Um, so I, Dan Byrne kind of dominated the debate uh, in the build-up to this fixture this week after the kind of disaster class against Luton last week for him and Eddie Howe a little bit in that, from that perspective. This week, Eddie Howe tries a new formation when in possession, particularly in the opening stage of the game, kind of three at the back, including Dan Byrne, double pivot of Miley and Trippier, then all of the rest of the lads ahead of them. Um, do you think that justified Byrne's in- inclusion? Where, where do you stand on the debate after yesterday's game? It's a really good question because, yeah, had had he just played Byrne at left back and played the same formation, it could have been a disaster and it could have been the sort of situation that had people asking questions of him and Dan Byrne forevermore. And when they scored that, was at their first goal where the, the, yeah. the ball yeah, goes through and he just gets done for pace. And he'd already been done once for pace. And Dubravka actually makes a really good save. So it happened twice by that point. And you're right, the people around us watching this game were going mental and saying, get him off. <laughs> and like, it, it's not as simple as that. It isn't as simple as that. We, we, we've, we've talked about the last few weeks. There's a, there's a bigger problem on our left-hand side of, of there just not being any other cover there. So you're right, you try to change this formation. And Dan Byrne definitely suits being the left of a three, which it seemed like he was for most of the game. I still don't really understand where Trippier was playing. Sort of right wing back, but then he was tucking inside a lot. Yeah. So was he alongside Miley? Is that what we think was the... So it was like a three-two. Um, so in theory, I suppose Miley's then supposed to be in that gap between Botman, and Byrne, and where Elanga had so much joy. And I don't remember seeing Miley really get stuck in there because the, the, the he's 17 and he didn't really against massive Premier League footballers, he hasn't got much chance of having a physical impact. So the same problems were still exposed. And I thought for the first goal in particular, Botman and um, Byrne are inexplicably about 20 yards apart. Like they're so far apart. If you're a back three, you've got to be tight. You've got to be close. You leave the gaps out wide and force them wide if you have to, um, you know, but you just run straight through the middle and scored. And it's really frustrating to watch that. So does that justify what happened the other way around in terms of on the ball? I thought we were very good. And I thought, you know, our problem away from home has been very predictable. Mm. We've been very easy to defend against and we've offered nothing and we've scored three goals here by playing slightly different. I don't think Nottingham Forest knew what to do about it. So there, there is an argument that by mixing it up and yes, it meant Dan Byrne had to stay in defence. It, it's kind of worked and we've won the game, albeit they could have they did score and could have scored more through the exact same faults that we have. So it's a really hard question to answer. But I do think because we won the game, the ends have justified it there. I think... Um Looking at the whole situation, uh, there's only one other player in our squad that could play that position that Dan Byrne played. Um, that's Paul Dummett, and I don't think he's got the pace or the quality um, to, to usurp him. Um, I really like Tino, but Tino's not going to play um, left of a three and then as a as a left back uh, in that way. So if that's the way that we're wanting to utilise that defence, um, then that's the reason why Byrne gets in. Um I totally agree that he hasn't got the pace to deal with Alanga, and we'd learn that on Boxing Day. Um, and actually, for the first goal, Byrne anticipates that ball's going to play, and he starts running before the ball's played, and still behind him. So mm. you know, runs that, the wrong way though. He thinks yeah. the, he thinks the run's going to come on the outside. Yeah. He's wrong. And you know, so you know, there's there's definitely work, and hopefully that's something you can learn from. Um, but I don't see Dan Byrne disappearing from the starting lineup anytime soon. Um, and if I'm Tino Livermento, I am still sitting on the bench going. 
why aren't I starting? What have I done wrong? But again, he can't play that system if that's what Eddie wants to do. I think there were still other problems which highlighted Dan Byrne's pace deficiency again in that we know that that's going to happen and yet the rest of the team didn't shape up on a couple of occasions. So there was one ball through to Gibbs-White again, cuts out the midfield and then he plays one ball through to Ilanga uh, and Dubravka's so far back behind the defence. I think we, again, in-game management, we, we, we started to play deeper and we had to play deeper because Dubravka stays so deep that that gap between him and defence isn't sustainable. So the defence had to get closer to Dubravka and bring the midfield further back and just close those gaps. And I think that's why towards the end of the game, they didn't have as much joy. We were a bit deeper and we don't like to end up deeper as the game goes on, but it actually was the right thing to do in this situation because I thought once again, again, I'm not digging out Miley, but Byrne was just left one-on-one with this guy who was obviously going to have his pants down. I was like, that clearly wasn't the plan just to leave Byrne one-on-one when we've changed formation and, and tried to come up with a new plan. There must have been a plan for someone to be that close and for Botman to be closer and, and we still did sort of leave him out to dry almost. It's almost like the lads don't like Dan Byrne and they want to see him have a mare. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I don't think it's that. It's not that. You know, like you say, Si, well, midfield issues are still there. Bruno still can't make a tackle. He is playing with fire when he stands on the advertising hoarding for his winner because if he falls falls forward into that crowd, Andy Taylor is pulling up that yellow card. Uh, Shout out Sean Longstaff holding him back. And if we think we look weak in midfield with him, I dread to think what we'd look like without him. Um, but ultimately, that pass, like you say, Miley is too square. Is too square. He's kind of just ball watching Gibbs White's in, and until Willock or Anderson comes back, I think Miley, at the stage of his career that he is, I just don't think there are any solutions to that. Mm. Anderson has been spotted carrying goals across the yeah, training pitch. So weird. The man <laughs> broke his back. Don't yeah. make him do that. Do we not have someone to do that for the <laughs> lads? But um, until that happens, I think. I think. I think the most promising thing for me is they'd identified a weakness against Luton before. They'd worked on it through the week, and that's really positive. And how um, has been accused lots of times throughout his career, and also at Newcastle, and also on this podcast, of only being able to play one formation in one way. And I think yesterday proved that it wasn't true. That's not true. Doesn't mean everything's fixed. Doesn't mean everything's perfect. Newcastle still have a lot of flaws. They didn't actually create that much yesterday. Like I said, I think they have like four shots. Mm-hmm. Um, three of them go in you know that's good good finishing for you and good football but I kind of feel like if this is us at our worst injury prone teenagers in midfield having to kind of create new formations just to try and project uh, protect the left back a little bit more it could be a lot worse and if you think about Nick Pope in particular coming back March is not a million miles away um, Nick Pope coming back Joe Willett coming back, Elliot Anderson, Alexander Riesack coming back, Harvey Barnes getting more fitness. This team is on a positive trajectory at the minute. It's uh, just kind of two defeats in 2024 and we're halfway through February. It's four away wins. Uh, it's seventh in the league and a, a great chance of going through to an FA Cup quarterfinal. So the picture has evolved somewhat since since, the, since that horrible December that we had. The picture is nowhere near as bad and I think yesterday was a crucial win to help this team in its development. Well, that's exactly it. We've still won the game, and we've still got that midfield that we can't change. We've still got what looked like a totally unfit Callum Wilson up front. We've got Gordon, who's just come back from injury again. You know, we're still plugging holes with 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 half-fit players, and, and yeah, Barnes has come off the bench and done a good job, but he's not fit yet, clearly, because uh, you, you think he would have started the game over Gordon if he was in any position to. Um, so yeah, we're still kind of cobbling together 11 players, and I suppose that's 
it's, it's, it's a positive that we can win football matches when we're still like weakened significantly, like mm. you say. So it's a massive positive, and we probably need to appreciate that that's they've worked really hard to get that result with a, with a makeshift team again. We're going to leave it there for part one of the show. Part two is coming up after a couple of adverts. If you don't want to listen to the adverts, you get these podcasts advertisement-free on our Patreon platform. Our Patreon platform keeps this whole entity going and uh, you get daily Newcastle United podcasts pretty much from Charlotte, me, Sai and John and our colleagues. So link in the description to this podcast. Please consider joining up if you like what we do. Speak to you after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I'll say it again because I like saying it. It is four straight away wins for Newcastle United now in all competitions. We won two of our first 15 away games this season at Sheffield United and Manchester United, which were great away wins, but the rest of it has been, quite frankly, awful. In fact, if you go back to the end of last season as well, we didn't win quite a few of those uh, last away games. So it's, you know, Newcastle United winning away from home is a big turnaround. Uh, discussions about the team in its direction for the rest of the season were very much centered around, well, you know, we had this fantastic home form, but did, that didn't seem particularly sustainable. And if you can't win away from home in the Premier League against some bad teams like we weren't, you're not going to be able to do very much. So that seems like it's changed. So looking at the overall picture of these games, do you, do you think how deserves tremendous credit for for fixing essentially his biggest problem? Yeah, put another way, I think 
we maybe are all guilty of getting a bit too excited about the odd um, hiccup on the way we need to chill a bit, maybe. Because I thought the, the meltdown after Luton, which we're all guilty of, we were all on our, our, our the podcast kind of lamenting the, the performance and the result. And um, we need to chill and trust, and trust the process. Like, yes, we all said before Christmas that once we get to this one game a week situation, things will get better. And they have got better. Look, take a step back and look at what we've done since Liverpool, basically. We've been good. Man City, decent. Didn't get the result. Since then, we've been actually really good. And yeah, Luton was pretty poor, but we still drew the game, scored four goals, came from two goals behind. So it's been a really unique season and it's very hard to kind of overanalyze individual situations and think, oh, we should have done that, we should have done that. Like, because it's been so unique and so many ridiculously unprecedented things have happened to us. We've kind of maybe just got to get back on the train and enjoy the ride and stop getting too worried about individual certain situations week on week. It's going to take time. You don't just go from you know, a faltering season to back to where we were before. It'll take time and we keep talking about it incrementally. We seem to be getting there and I think that's a that's a real positive thing. Every every week with three points, every week with players coming back from injury, getting 90 minutes under the belt, it's it's a positive. It's a step in the right direction. I think we've got to, you know, appreciate that as well. There probably will be more bumps in the road um, by the sounds of it. Wilson's <laughs> taking another knock, albeit yeah. he wasn't that involved in the game. But, you know, there's, there's going to be other problems. But how is finding solutions to this? And I thought... um. The, the most pleasing thing is we're, we're finding ways to win games. We've scored a lot of goals from set pieces recently. You know, the, this, the, how's finding solutions to, to win football matches with what he's got available to him? And that's credit to him. You're absolutely right. I think he does deserve a lot of credit for, for finding a solution to what was big, big problems uh, in December and even the start of January. Um, and to be honest, like if you just think about December, we're miles, miles away from what we were there, you know, in terms of how we're performing, how we're getting on in these games. We're so far removed from what was going on in December where the same problems were happening. We were basically getting hammered away from home with no answer and think about how far we've come in a month and a half. And if we keep going in the right direction, I'm certainly thinking of Europe again. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I think we've got 14 games left in the league um, and we've got 36 points and I reckon 60 points probably get to Europe. So that's eight wins. Now, our fancy us to win at least eight games between now and the end of the season. And I certainly think we've got that in us. Um and this is a season where, you know, it almost feels like this, you said it, Sai, like this is almost this disaster's hit, you know, and everyone's like, oh my God, what's going on? How, you know, we're not going to get there. But, you know, I look at it and I think, well, we've got a real good chance of getting into Europe. We're in the FA Cup and have a really good chance of progressing far in that competition. I think, you know, we've got a fantastic chance to certainly get to the quarterfinals. We got to the quarterfinals of the League Cup as if it weren't for you know, a last minute slip in the 90th minute and a loss on penalties. Um, and we were 20 minutes away from um, going through to the next round of the Champions League. This has not been a bad season at all. I mean, you know, imagine that three years ago. I, I can't, I really can't. I think what I like so much about sort of what's happening and what we're seeing in front of us in, in terms of these away performances and things like that is is the creativity that... You know, it, it's it's tiny tweaks, but it is tweaks. We're getting goals from different places. We're not getting goals from our centre forward. We, we played a game without a centre forward last week. Um, it's it's that kind of okay when we don't have that kind of goal threat at the moment. What are we going to do? And Bruno scores two. Fabian shares scoring loads. It's 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 sort of I don't know what it is. I don't know how to describe it. It's this team. It's this teamwork. I know that sounds a bit trite, but it's this. It's this sort of creative response to quite a lot of adversity in November, December, 
a lot of very bad performances, um, a lot of very tired legs, an inability to to influence anything from the bench. And to look at that, Eddie and Mad Dog looking at that and thinking, okay, well, how do we get how do we get goals here? Where do we get them from? Pushing Bruno more forward yesterday um, allowed him a lot more creativity and a lot more freedom to roam. And Callum Wilson, like, looked a little bit anonymous yesterday, didn't have a lot to, to do. I mean, you said earlier he, he dealt with our centre-backs quite well, but, I mean, he didn't score any goals and he and he kept dropping deep because kind of Bruno's roaming around. And and I just I like that. I like that we're, we're not just looking for one target man. We're looking at what else have we got in this squad and how do we score goals and, and turning that into goals. To defend Wilson, sorry to interrupt, to defend Wilson, because um, I was very frustrated at his performance, but on reflection, he was he very isolated up front against very two centre-halves. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and he absolutely occupied them, if, if nothing else, and, and allowed freedom for some of those other players. Um, but the way we have to play, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, because of the, the pace against us and, and having to play a bit deeper and the goalkeeper staying deep, um, it means Wilson's even more isolated. He's actually collecting the ball, receiving the ball around the halfway line, and he's never really been the centre-forward yeah. to pick the ball up in the halfway line and drive us forward 30 yards. He was just doing what he could with the situation he was in, and we didn't really get him the ball in the box more than maybe he got like three or four touches. So it was a frustrating performance for him. And if he's injured again, never mind. But um, <laughs> you're right. It's it's back to what I was saying about just before Christmas. It was very much a case of can we get 11 players together who are fit enough to play a football match with right. no preparation, three game weeks, 11 lads go on, just do your best. Whereas now it's like, okay, we've got a bit more to choose from. We've got a week to prepare. We can have a look at what the opposition have got to offer and come up with a plan. It seems like we're doing that week on week now. And there's just, again, we're just so many miles from what was happening before Christmas. that It feels like a totally different season now. Uh, it's 19 goals from seven games wow. in 2024. So almost three a game, Insane. which is remarkable. Yeah. Conceded a few, conceded a few as well. <laughs> but that is fixable. And we know this team can defend very well. So... It is, it is a world away, like you said, Sai, from December, November, in terms of performances, in terms of results. It is short, like you say, goals coming from Fabian Shaw and others. So but the, mostly Shaw. There is, there, is, there is a kind of, there are just solutions. There's just, there was problems and there have been solutions and that's really promising. One of the most interesting things about where we are right now is we're only five points worse off from the same number of fixtures last season if we'd beat Newton. Last week it would be three points. Now, Newcastle go on to win nine of their last 14 fixtures um, after that Manchester City defeat after the Cup final last season. Will they have such a a kind of a run this season? Well, time will tell, but there are positives. We've talked about kind of four key players still to come back, players to you know continue to get fitness. But when I have a look at, which I'm going to do right now in front of me, <laughs> when you look at our, let's talk about the home games, Bournemouth, Wolves, West Ham, Everton, Spurs, Sheffield, Brighton. There's nothing too... Too fearsome there, is it? And if you look at the away games, um, Arsenal, tough game. Uh, cup final for them, obviously, for ridiculous <laughs> reasons. Uh, Chelsea, Palace, Fulham, Man U, Burnley, Brentford. The, you know, there are points there. We, are, we have nothing to fear. And this is where the fixture list comes into it because mm. we haven't got, I mean, apart from Arsenal, we haven't got an away game there um, that you'd think a, a, a draw is a great result. And, and of all the home games, you know, the hardest game is Spurs, who are, you know, I'd, I'd expect Newcastle to beat Spurs at home if Newcastle play well and particularly to get some players back. It really does, and wins like this against Forest just kind of, trans- I won't call them transformative, but we we were able to look ahead to the rest of the season with a lot more hope than, say, after Luton last week. And again, Luton's result against Sheffield United yesterday makes that performance and result look worse. But 
I'm pretty sure every single Newcastle fan or everyone listening and watching to this, if you'd said before Aston Villa, Luton and Forest away, seven points would be yeah. the return. Yeah. yeah, you'd take it. And and like you say, Sai, maybe we can't because we, A, I'm going to excuse all of my own behaviours and opinions. <laughs> B, um, you know, we have to talk about everything because we do this. Um, but you're right. Maybe generally we have to look at more than just one result and performance, look at the broader trend, particularly in 2024. And by the way, this is a guy in Eddie Howe who's been, I don't know, he's shafted, but not supported in the transfer window, not 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 because of any desire, but in terms of a, of a of a manager who needed reinforcements in a key part of the pitch in midfield hasn't hasn't had them for reasons that we all know in terms of profit and sustainability stuff. I think it's a pretty remarkable turnaround. And like you say, I don't I don't know if I'm as confident as you are, Sai, against Bournemouth. I, like because Bournemouth are, are a reasonable side. Um they lost kind of quite comfortably at Fulham and they'll be expecting reaction from that. But I think how getting four wins in a row, one of them being a derby. I mean, if Newcastle lose that derby, or how loses that derby, God knows where we are. But mm. they won it. They won it comfortably. They won it Fulham comfortably. They won it Villa comfortably. And yesterday, the last 15 minutes is fairly comfortable. That is just not the Newcastle United that we'd seen away from home at any point this season, apart from against a disastrous Sheffield United and a chaotic Man United who were who were going through one of the toughest spells. So really positive overall and... You know they're giving themselves an opportunity. They're giving themselves a chance of, of, of still doing something spectacular this season, in my view. I think you're, I think you're right as well. And to, if you look at the performances away from home, I think they've been much better than the performances at St James's Park since the turn of the year. Uh, probably with the exception of Man City, where you know I think I thought we played pretty well. Um, but I, I mean, I remember even I'll go as far as back as Fulham. I remember us um, stood um, <laughs> doing the instant reaction that day, and I said I don't think we played particularly well, but we got the result that we needed. And then Boxing Day, we you know we don't want to talk about that too much, but you know, nice reference for us. We've got them back. Um, but it's good to see us play, perform better away from home. Um, but we just need to make sure that we don't turn up, as you say, in a week's time. And go. All right, this is Bournemouth. We'll, we should roll these over because, as you say, they're a reasonable side, and and they showed that. And their upturn started against us at their mm. place. So you know, we, we owe them one. Really, we're going to leave it there for part two of the show. We're going to talk about some of the class lads after this break and how they impacted this fixture. Back after these, let's talk about the lads who secured this victory for Newcastle United. And I think the first player to talk about is Bruno Gomares, who scores a, a brilliant left-footed volley from a fantastic corner routine similar to the the Brentford game at home last season when he comes at the back post just like this one and he stoops to header that one this time it's an even better finish and then the calm composed curler from the edge of the box side uh, I don't think this guy could you know could have any more influence on a game than he has there and we are totally and utterly reliant on the man in my opinion <laughs> Um, yeah, for, for the for the aforementioned reasons of the midfield being what it is at the moment, we needed we need big performances from him occasionally, uh, probably every week, ideally. But you know, when he, when he can just win as a game like single handedly like he did yesterday, it's massive. And we always known he's had that in his locker. And he was grilled post match by Redknapp and the Sky fella, I can't remember his name, um, about kind of uh, oh, have you is have you wanted to play a bit further up the pitch? And Rafael answered it very very well. He wants to just help the team, and he's happy to play six, happy to play eight, whatever. Um, I thought what the way we lined up yesterday did unleash Bruno a little bit. So yeah, again, the Dan Byrne trade-off of leaving him a bit exposed meant that Bruno was playing in their half of the pitch and causing all sorts of problems on the ball, uh, which we haven't seen because when he plays much deeper, 
he plays a totally different role. You know, he wins his free kicks, he gets us out of situations, but he doesn't offer that much going forward because he's so far away from goal. Whereas when he's playing 30, 40 yards away from goal, we saw what happens. He scored two goals. Now, the first one from the from the corner, we've seen that exact scenario before. I got full on deja vu. Why the fuck's Miggy taking the corner? What's he doing here? And what, what is that horribly underhit pass back to Trippier? <laughs> he's, nearly, he's nearly been tackled. But then Bruno's sneaking on the back post. I can't remember the home game. I remember vividly the goal, but I can't remember. I think he heads it, but... Brentford, um, I just said. Brentford, oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> can't remember. Yeah, don't remember that. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's like, if, if Miggy's lined up to take a corner and you're in opposition now, you're just thinking, right, where's Bruno? Right, we've got a good mark, Bruno. But yeah... Um, just this unbelievable finish to, for the ball to come down and have to make a decision to hit the outside of his right foot to, to well, he could have hit it anywhere in Matt Sells. It probably just goes through him in hindsight. But at the time, Matt Sells had had quite a solid start and he'd made a couple of saves. I think, no, he's, he's going to have one of those games because it's us. But um, yeah, Bruno put put that to, to bed. And uh, just generally speaking, um, we've mentioned already, I thought Miley and Longstaff were pretty quiet and anonymous in the game. So Bruno had so much work to do. And yes, Trippier was the fourth midfielder. And I suppose Trippier might be the, the answer to if Bruno does ever get that yellow card that we don't want him to get. Was that a trial run of Trippier playing in the holding midfield role? I don't know. But yeah, I mean, that the, the, the second goal again, like Bruno, because he's not playing on the halfway line, because he's 10 yards further forward, when that um, Forest right back plays that sort of loose ball inside, Bruno can pounce on it, whereas he wouldn't be able to do that when he's been playing more recently a bit further back. So if Longstaff wins the ball there, he's not going to get it out of his feet and score. Bruno gets the ball out of his feet. One one touch past another player, bottom corner. And yeah, he sells probably, a, a good keeper saves it, but it's still great. It's still, you know, it's a shot on target in a, in a, in a dangerous area. We need more of that because we don't do it enough and, and it's won as the game. And yeah, he just generally grabbed that game by the scruff of the neck. There was times when he's just holding onto the ball. You can't tackle him. You literally can't tackle him. And I know he can't tackle other people at the moment, but they can't tackle him. So it's kind of a, a nice fair trade-off for, for opposition teams. And yeah, I've, I've never been more more grateful to have this player in our team. Yeah, the inevitability of him leaving feels more and more so devastating every time I watch him play. He's just so good. But also yesterday, in his post-match comments, he was yeah yeah putting he's he's staying he's staying oh they kept asking him that yesterday it's like okay leave that alone let's just talk about the goals let's just talk about that performance because it was class um but he also said that he's been really ill this week and he didn't even know if he was going to play i mean who would play instead of him is a, a ridiculous question but he was saying you know he's he's been quite sick and i'm not necessarily gonna uh <laughs> talk about how sick because he he you can find that interview he he went into detail um <laughs> but he like 24 hours before the game in the morning of the game he wasn't sure he was going to make the game and to, to 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 be there on the fence like ill and then to put in that performance it's like fuck me like whenever he does leave if it's this summer or beyond hopefully well beyond that's sad because he is such a player for this team. He is he is a, a playmaker. He brings character. He's so skilled. Players stay off him. They don't know what to do with him. And he scores goals. And we don't win without him. And I can't remember the last time we won without him. We um, well. So, yeah, well, there we go. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he, he, he's important. I think it's funny you were talking about Brentford deja vu. I think the second goal is also Brentford deja vu as well. The way that he just take It's almost like we need a goal. I'm just going to get the ball and I'm just going to do what I need to do. Um and only real world-class players can do that. And um, I really hope that this summer isn't the, the PSR cash-in summer for Bruno. I, I, I'd like to see us get another season out of him. But who knows where we are with that. I'm just just impressed by his, his ability to cover the ground he does uh, and mm. the discipline not to pick up this this yellow is, is remarkable considering he's so 
ill-disciplined to an extent to pick up nine yellow cards as quickly as it did. I mean, it's game 32, that reset, so there's still eight games to go. <laughs> and he has to not get a, a, a another yellow card in the game. I mean, Arsenal away probably is, is the one that jumps out of me. That would be tough. But I remember when he first started, and he, he wasn't starting games, and then when he was starting games, he was constantly being pulled off because he couldn't last the 90. And then that's just such a transformation to to the physical specimen that he is now. He's just... He's just he is Newcastle United at the minute, and we're very lucky that he plays for us. And I love I love those goals because the 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 corner goal at the start because we've outsmarted the opposition. It's not just like a natural ability or the flow of the game or a refereeing decision. It's like we got you, mm. we got you, um, and that's why I, I imagine the fact that he shouts out Tyndall in the post match. Um, I imagine that's incredibly satisfying for them all to kind of think, right, how we're going to burgle a goal out of these lads. And uh, they did it. Let's talk about Fabian Fabian Cher, though. Charlotte, you were very impressed by the man. Yeah, I'm just impressed by him week on week. There's not tons I can say that we haven't said already. He's just, it feels like the whole package. And I, I can't believe that that he costs so little. Um it's four goals for him now across all competitions from our centre back. Like I don't think Botman's had a goal yet, has he? No, he scored again. Oh yes, one, one, yeah. He also assisted this one. Oh, okay. So sorry, Botman. I apologise, <laughs> but um, it's it's just not where you expect your goals to be coming from. And to have you know put two in uh, against Aston Villa and then that one yesterday, where he just manages to get into the right position. And when the ball's at his feet and he's in that in that box, I have no doubt he's going to score. And he's a centre back. Like that's not his primary. It's not his primary function on the pitch. And it, he's just so so good. I. I love watching him. I loved watching him yesterday. I He was our player of the month for January, Sellers player of the month for January. And he's consistently the player of the month for me. He's undroppable. I don't know who you would bring in for him anyway, but just to to be getting goals out of him, like I said in part two, he's part of that creativity. He's part of that solution finding. And he just does it sort of so coolly as well. He massively stepped up as well when Botman was injured. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we missed him so much less than we could have done. But, I mean, Botman's a Rolls-Royce of a player and um, just consistently churns out consistent performances. And um, the fact that Cher is able just to step up in that moment and and just, like, it was as if... It, it did feel like we, we didn't have that missing piece. Um, and... The finish yesterday, I think any striker would have been pleased with. And, you know, it was, yeah, it was superb. Absolutely superb. I think that step up as well is it, Fabian Cher made Lascelles look pretty good, I think. Lascelles, I don't want to dig him out. I think he, he came in and he did an excellent job for us. Obviously, Botman, when he got back to fitness, comes back in. It's it's That's a no-brainer. I'm sure Lascelles probably wasn't arguing with that. But Lascelles doing so well was because of his partnership with Cher. And and how much share has progressed and elevated his game since Eddie Howe came in, um, and and that can't be understated either. Yeah, it. I want to talk up Fabian, or Fabian. Sorry, Charlotte. I don't, I don't know. It's just what I got told. Off fair, Charlotte corrects me relentlessly. But on air, <laughs> <laughs> it's open season. I don't know how you pronounce the name. Um, it's share as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no I, I want to talk up these lads. I want to revel in their glory. Yes. But Jesus fucking Christ, that's a soft goal from Forrest's point of view. <laughs> Long ball from the halfway line, bounces in the penalty area, one header, and Fabian Fabian is uh, as unmarked. I mean, you don't save those, Matt Sells. You don't save many, but you definitely don't <laughs> save you don't save those. But God, it's a poor goal from a, a Forest perspective. What are, what 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 the defenders being 
able to contribute in an attacking sense does, though, it, it should, at long term, free up the attacking players more in the box because now opposition teams have to worry about the centre-backs yeah. and, and, and them contributing to goals. So it's really positive. We are going to leave it there, though, for yeah. this week. Thank you very much for listening and watching. We appreciate your support massively. It's always nice to do these when Newcastle win away from home in particular, and win they did. couple of notices from me to players out. Um, we have a live show coming up the night before Bournemouth next week. It's the Gosforth Civic Theatre in Gosforth. It is lots of your true faith favourites, if you have any. But it's definitely <laughs> me, Charlotte, Cy, and a few others on stage. And uh, would love for you to come along and see us. There are still tickets left. Uh, well over 130 sold, so we can't wait to see everybody there on the night as we talk about this mental football club in this crazy season. We're on Patreon if you like this podcast and you think, oh, I never wanted to stop, come and join <laughs> on Patreon because it keeps this thing going. You get daily podcasts <laughs> like this about Newcastle United, and when you've beaten Forest and you have Bournemouth at home next, it's the perfect time to come and make your week a little bit better by listening to us, I hope. Thanks for listening. Speak to you all soon. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Aspers Casino Newcastle, home of the £4 pint on match day. That's all Newcastle home games and any televised Newcastle fixture. The offer applies from midday until midnight on all draft beers. Be gamble aware, over 18s only. Visit begambleaware.org. Be drink aware and for details and T's and C's, visit aspersnewcastle.co.uk. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.